بسم الله بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وله أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته. How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah. So today we are covering بإذن الله تعالى حديث number eight in أربعين النووي. Hadith number eight of أربعين النووي. Uh, the narration is by uh, Ibn Umar رضي الله تعالى عنه. Where he's reported that the Prophet ﷺ said, and I'm not going to go into Ibn Umar because we've done that. We we went through his biography in a previous uh, hadith. The Prophet ﷺ says, "Umirtu an uqatil al-nas hatta yashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad rasulullah wa yuqimu al-salah wa yutu al-zakah fa idha faalu thalika asamu minni dima'ahum wa amwalahum illa bihaq al-Islam wa hisabuhum ala Allah." Oh, that last part, Jazakallah Khair, that was not part of the hadith. That was me saying it to him. You know, sometimes people actually get narrations messed up because of things like that. It's amazing. It's a, it, there's, a whole, there's a whole study of people just making a commentary and then people writing it down incorrectly. So, so I said Jazakallah Khair because he brought me tea, just to be clear. Okay, so, so anyway, that is the, that is the narration. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ says, uh, I have been ordered, umirtu, I have been ordered an uqatil nas to fight against the people. حَتَّى يَشْهَدُوا Until they testify and bear witness أَنْ لَا إِلَهِ اللَّهِ That there is no God except, worthy of worship except Allah وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ And that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah وَيُقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ And that they establish prayer وَيُؤْتُ الزَّكَاةِ And that they uh, establish, uh, or they give zakah They give uh, zakah which is, as we talked about before The obligatory charity once a year فَإِذَا فَعَلُوا ذَلِكَ And if they do that عَصَمُوا مِنِّي دِمَاءَهُمْ وَأَمْوَالَهُمْ And if they do that, then they are protected from me uh, Their uh, blood and their wealth. إِلَّا بِحَقِّ الْإِسْلَامِ Except for by the rights of Islam, or basically whatever Islamic sharia deems. وَحِسَابُهُمْ عَلَى اللَّهِ And their accounting is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I'm sure you've all realized that this is quite a controversial hadith. And so uh, uh, we have to explore it, because these are the type of hadith, uh, these are the types of hadith that you find that uh, some non-Muslims will say that, look, these are violent people, these are dangerous people, we can't trust them, and so on and so forth. So it's important that we actually get educated about these hadith. وَاللَّهُ تَعَلَىٰ أَعْلَمْ Now, I want to be clear that this hadith particularly is speaking about uh, uh, warfare with, uh, in, in terms of large numbers. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's another uh, uh, hadith which is similar to this that we're going to be covering later on. It's actually number, we're on hadith number 8, it's hadith number 14. So just wait a few more weeks and we'll specifically get into the issue of uh, uh, ridda. Ridda means apostasy. And so this isn't necessary. this isn't really speaking about apostasy as much as it is uh, 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 political a political revolution, as in not just one personal person's, uh, let's say, uh, leaving of Islam, but rather a whole, like basically leaving the deen, and anyway, we'll get into it. I just want to say that there's a difference between one person versus a whole body of people. Today, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about in terms of as a body. We'll get into it when we get into hadith number four, uh, 14, when we uh, talk about that one, we'll talk about uh, ridda and apostasy. Anyway, to be clear, so the uh, hadith in question starts with umirtu, which means I have been ordered. It's interesting that the Prophet ﷺ uses the passive tone instead of saying Allah has ordered me, that I, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered me. He says, I have been ordered. Uh, uh, now obviously the implication is that Allah is the one ordering him. Obviously he's a messenger of Allah. Why would you uh, word it that way in particular? Allah knows best. But perhaps it's to indicate that most people naturally gravitate away from warfare. Right? And so it's not something that I enjoy. It's not something that I like. But look, this is what I've been commanded to do. Right? So instead of saying, so, so the way it's worded, it's almost like saying, not that he's against it, obviously, but I'm just saying that like, the Prophet was not a, a violent per person by nature. And Muslims are not supposed to be violent people by nature. But sometimes uh, 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 warfare is necessary. 
right? And so he's saying that this is what I've been commanded to do. So you understand that this is, this is from on high. I, I don't have a, a choice in the matter. Allah Ta'ala is commanding me to do this. So it's just the wording of it uh, is highlighting that he doesn't have a choice and that this is not a question of preference. So it's a very interesting uh, uh, way of beginning the hadith. Umirtu, I have been commanded. And uqatil al-nas, to fight against al-nas, the people. Now, uh, this word uqatila is interesting. Um, well, first actually, let's get into who is al-nas. Who, who, who are the people here? So the alif lam is lamul ahd. That's what it's called in like grammar. They call it lamul ahd. And the idea is that, like for example, if I'm talking to you and I say the book is over there, the word the implies that it's a book that me and you mutually both understand which one we're talking about, right? So like uh, if you ask me where's my math book, and then I say the book is over there, because you've already established that you're looking for your math book, and I say the book, the means that we know which who we're talking about, right? So, uh, an-nas could, could be a reference to the entirety of mankind, but that's clearly not the case if you just take a look at tons of evidence uh, to prove elsewhere, and we can, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that, th- those details. So, who is an-nas? Who are the people that the Prophet ﷺ is referring to that the people have already heard a hadith prior to this, or probably have heard the, uh, what the Prophet ﷺ has been talking about earlier than this, and so they know who these people are? Who, 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 which group are we talking about specifically? And when you look into a hadith, what you find, there's another hadith in Sahih, uh, Sunan al-Nasai, excuse me, and it is considered a Sahih hadith, it is an authentic hadith, where the Prophet specifically says that he is referring to the Arab polytheists who had corrupted the Arabian Peninsula with polytheism after Ibrahim and Ismail had established Tawheed. So this is, uh, 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 this is basically letting us know that they had done this crime of corrupting this, this area, this, the Arabian Peninsula, Jazirat al-Arab, and now the Prophet's job was to cleanse this from shirk and to fight against this particular group. How do we know this? Because of the hadith. Look at how similar the wording is. Umirtu an uqatil al mushrikeen hatta yashadu an la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh wa idha shahidu an la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh wa sallu salatana wa staqbalu qiblatana wa akalu dhabaihana faqada uh, so almost the exact same wording. And so what you understand from this, which is, it says that I have been commanded to fight against these idolaters, the mushrikeen, until they bear witness to the, the la ilaha illallah and Muhammad Rasulullah. And if they do that, if they bear witness to la ilaha illallah and Muhammad Rasulullah, uh, and they pray as we pray facing the qibla and eat our slaughtered meat, and then their blood and their wealth becomes forbidden to us except by the right of Islam. So this hadith is clarifying that the Prophet ﷺ had earlier explained that this is my mission, that Ibrahim ﷺ established Tawheed in the Kaaba, and this Arabian Peninsula is supposed to be established on Tawheed. These people corrupted it. My job is to transform that. My job is to bring that back to Tawheed. And so after you said it once that I have been sent to fight these mushrikeen, then you don't keep you don't have to keep on saying it again. Just the same way if you say where's my math book, you don't have to keep saying yo your math book is over there. I could just say the book. Right? Because now we know what you're talking about. So in the same way, this hadith is establishing that we're talking about al-mushrikeen. So the Prophet says, I have been commanded to fight the people, as in those people, the people who I've already defined, uh, uh, living in this area. Now, what does uqatila, or qatila yuqatilu qitalan muqatila, what does this imply? It implies military fighting, but also the verb, it's not, uh, 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 the verb muf'a'ala, that form, that pattern, it implies mutual, mutual uh, what's it called, uh, mutuality. As in, I have been commanded to fight with them so long as they are fighting with me. That there is, it's mutual. That there is a, a back and forth. 
That, so it's not, I have come to just kill them and they are peaceful. That's not the case. I have been commanded to fight with them because they're fighting with me as well. Uqatila implies that it's mutual, it's back and forth, that this is what's going to happen. That we are going to be at war with one another until finally Islam uh, prevails over top of them. So, yes, what is included in this is not that you just keep fighting them perpetually. Why? Because if they stop fighting, then you just stop fighting as well. You wouldn't, you know, uh, you know, fight with them and then they finally submit and then you're like, oh, let's just keep going. That's not what's being implied here. And the proof of that is, for instance, the jizya. The jizya is a way for uh, the Muslims to establish their dominance in the land and then they have the disbelievers pay a certain tax. Just the same way in this country, everybody has to pay their taxes. The Islamic model, and subhanAllah, what's so amazing about Islam is that when the believers actually conquered, uh, for instance, Egypt, the locals actually helped them to fight off the Romans because the Romans were taxing them higher. You see? So Islam came to establish justice, to establish uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the beauty of explaining Tawheed and Islam. Now, it's not forcing people to embrace Islam, but it is saying that you have to accept our rule. You have to accept this uh, rule. Why? Because this Islamic rule is establishing justice. And every other government is not doing justice to the people. They're actually abusing the, their people. And so that's why, subhanAllah, the people of Egypt recognized this and actually started helping out, if I'm not mistaken, it was Amr ibn al-As, conquer the whole of Egypt because they recognize that this is actually a more just system. They're not abusing us. They're not uh, uh, taking our wealth in an abusive way. And they're giving us the freedom of religion anyhow. So this was a better system. This was just a simply a better government, a more fair government. So yes, the people, uh, Islam kept spreading and spreading this uh, goodness and this uh, uh, justice to various parts of the world. And subhanAllah, uh, this is something that, uh, that doesn't mean that you have to uh, perpetually fight with people. If they finally submit and accept the rule of Islam, not that they accept the religion, but they accept the rule of Islam and pay the jizya, then the objective is one. I hope that's clear. So yes, and furthermore, even people paying jizya and living under Islam, as they get to interact with the Muslims and see the justice of Islam, this is actually something that helped people embrace Islam even more. This would, this would make people see the beauty of Islam and slowly but surely Islam would enter into their hearts because now they're seeing it being implemented and the beauty of it. And so that is the ultimate objective. So it's not that you fight for them for the sake of fighting. You fight them to establish justice and to get rid of corrupt governments, to, to let people make a choice on their own and to really evaluate Islam. And you might say, well, why do they have to pay a different tax amount of money? Well, why, why do they get different uh, tax differently than the Muslims? Well, one reason is because if non-Muslims were to, or if any army were to come and attack that land, it's only the Muslims that are required to fight. And so, in, because the idea is that we can only trust the Muslims in our army, right? As for the non-Muslims, you, you can stay at home. So the fact that you don't have to put your life and limb on the line means what? You recompense or you, you, you can, uh, you can uh, what's it called? You make up for it by paying extra. So the Muslims are the ones fighting, and you paid extra during your taxes, and that uh, you can see is a, a very fair and beautiful system, subhanAllah. So does this refer to, refer to the people of the book, Ahlul Kitab? And the answer is, Wallahu ta'ala a'lam, no. And the reason is because it's number one, because as we mentioned, the corroborating hadith specifies that this is talking about the mushrikeen, the polytheist Arabs. So this does not include Ahlul Kitab, number one. Uh, uh, secondly, that this is a am, this is a general statement, there's, a, there's other perspectives on this. Some say this is a, like, there's many times there's a, a general hadith, like for, or a general command, and then that command is given specificity. Like for example, we all know that you are supposed to make wudu before you pray. But obviously, if the Prophet let's say that you find a, a hadith, 
that says specifically, you have to make wudu before you pray, let's say. But then you say, but wait a second, aren't there exceptions? Yes, this is the am, and then the khas, the more specific, you take corroborating evidence, and you say, the more specific situation is, if you can't make wudu because there's no water, then you make tayammum, right? So in the same way, the general rule is that, yes, you're going to fight. But the exception to that rule is Ahlul Kitab. Why? Because again, as I was mentioning, that they are paying the jizya. That, that's, their, uh, that's their position. Um, yes, so that's uh, so one pers- perspective is that's the am versus the khas. Um, and another perspective is that, no, the, 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 the ruling for fighting was general, but then it was specified uh, that, that later on it was abrogated and the uh, Ahlul Kitab, the Jews and the Christians, were actually considered to be the exception to the rule later on. So there's, there's a few ways of seeing this. That it's Am versus Khas, which means general versus specific, or that it is the first ruling was general and then later on it was made specific. It boils down to the same concept, Wallahu ta'ala a'lam, in the end you get the same result. Then the Prophet says what? Hatta yashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa anna muhammadan rasulullah until they testify that there is none worthy of worship except Allah, that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, وسلم, and they offer the prayer, and they, um, they establish the prayer, and they uh, give in charity. What does it mean that they must bear witness to this? That they must yeshhadu, they must bear witness to it. Attesting to it can either mean, I attest to it as in, I embrace it, they become Muslim. That's one option. But also, another perspective is that they recognize it as in, I recognize and accept the dominance of this Islam. As in, I respect the fact that you people believe in one God. I respect the fact that you people establish your prayer and that you have a government, governmental system, and I will live according to the laws of this land. I will respect the system, which is exactly what the Arabs didn't do. They were opposing the Prophet ﷺ for a very long time, and so the Prophet ﷺ is telling them what? That no, the way, uh, the way it has to go is that we are going to continue fighting and opposing them until they accept us, and they accept this uh, uh, governmental system. And again, it does not mean, as we know, Allah says in Surah, uh, Surah Baqarah, Ayah number 256, La ikraha There's no compulsion in religion. So we're not talking about forcing people to embrace Islam. We're talking about uh, implementing a governmental system that must be respected. Why? Because it's the best system for the people. And by the way, there's nothing new about this. There's absolutely nothing surprising or shocking or uh, you know, uh, unique about this idea. Think about where we live, right? Uh, it's very often the case that they say, oh, there's a dictator in such and such country. We need to export democracy. We need to overthrow the dictatorship. And we need to let the people be free. You hear this type of language all the time. So this is, not, this is nothing new. So are they forcing Christianity? No. Well, first of all, the question is, why do you, why do you only uh, liberate countries with natural resources? Hmm. So anyway, that in and of itself is its own question, right? So, uh, but, but anyway, let's leave, that, let's leave that question aside, and let's just take, that, take it at, at face value. And let's say, no, their intentions are perfectly clear. You can see that even if the intention is 100% clean, which is questionable, but anyway, but let's say theoretically that the intention is 100% clean, it still uh, um, uh, uh, demonstrates that these people are going and imposing a certain ideology. You might not use the word religion, but it's still an ideology, right? This d- democracy, it's an ideology, it's a belief system. Why? Based on the fact that we are convinced that this is the best thing for humanity, right? So, okay, what's the, uh, so you're not forcing a religion, but you are imposing a system that will optimize human happiness. And you think that that is your duty, You think that that is your duty as a superpower. In fact, oftentimes, people will complain to superpowers and say, don't you know that this group, this small country, is being uh, suffocated and being persecuted by this terrible dictator? Aren't you going to do something about it? Don't you have a responsibility to help those people out? This, This type of language is used all the time. So even when you start to ask the question, why would Islam go about doing this? The question is, how could they not? If, let's say, whether it be the Romans or the Persians are implementing certain laws, 
and taxing the people a certain way and forcing, let's say, certain beliefs or whatever the case is, and this is oppressive to their people, then subhanAllah, Islam is the solution that comes and allows the people to live more freely. So subhanAllah, this should not be something that is uh, uh, overly controversial. There are many ayat uh, uh, in which Allah subhanAllah mentions this idea and the, these issues uh, regarding fighting, uh, from which Allah Ta'ala says, for example, uh, Allah Ta'ala says in Surah Al-Hajj, ayah number 39, Permission to fight has been given to those who are being fought against because they were wronged. And indeed, Allah Ta'ala is competent to give them victory. Those who have been uh, evicted from their homes without right only because they say our Lord is Allah. So there, this, is, this is a common thing that many people because they establish Tawheed they get persecuted for it. So now you have to fight these people and allow people to make their own choice. Allow people to make their own choice whether they want to believe in Allah or not. And look at this beautiful ayah. Allah says, And were it not that Allah checks the people some by, uh, some by means of others uh, there would have been demolished monasteries, churches, synagogues and mosques in which the name of Allah Ta'ala is, mentioned, is much mentioned. And Allah will surely support those who support Him. Indeed, Allah is powerful and exalted in might. Allah Ta'ala is, in Allah laqawiyun aziz. This is ayah number uh, uh, 40 of Surah Al-Hajj. So subhanAllah, this is again demonstrating what? That the name, that the, 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 the option, the, the ability to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one and alone has to be given, has to be spread. You have to give the people the option. And so this is what Islam is, is going to do. We know that the Arabs were persecuting uh, the Muslims. SubhanAllah, to the point that when the Muslims even got up and left Mecca and said, fine, you don't want us to be even, even be exist in your uh, city, we'll go to Medina. They followed them over there. They followed them over there. They weren't, they weren't willing to let it go. They were like, no, we can't allow this. Probably because they recognized that this is too um, potent. It's too able to spread. It's too attractive. And given enough time, it's just gonna, it's gonna take over our, uh, you know, our ancestors, our, our, you know, ancient way of life and our beliefs and so on and so forth. So they felt the need to fight. Now, the question comes in, what if somebody says that, oh yeah, yeah, I embrace Islam, but they might be, uh, lying. They might be just making it up. Uh, well, subhanAllah, there's actually a very interesting hadith in this regard. Like, cause some people might say, well, if Islam is spreading and then people just want to jump on the bandwagon because it's convenient and they're like, I don't really trust this guy's Islam. That's not your job. And there's a very interesting hadith. Uh, so this is from Usama bin Zayd. And this is, Usama bin Zayd is, عنه, he's the son of Zayd ibn Haritha. So just to give a bit of background, Zayd ibn Haritha uh, was the uh, adopted son of the Prophet they, 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 To the point that they called him Zayd ibn Muhammad. But then Allah revealed ayat that said, you can't change your last name. You have to maintain lineage. You're not allowed to lie about what your fa- where your family is. So then everybody started calling him again Zayd ibn Haritha because that's his actual, his father's name is Haritha. So Zayd ibn Haritha, Radhiallahu is a, one of the most magnanimous, most amazing Sahaba. So he chose to be a servant of the Prophet over going back to his family. It's an incredible story. Anyway, he had a son named Usama, and Usama was, you know, a, a young man being raised uh, almost like a grandson, like, of course, like a grandson of the Prophet And he was put. He was a, he was a warrior even at a very young age. He was very engaged in battle. And he mentions this uh, narration in Bukhari. Ba'athana Rasulullah That the Prophet sent us to go fight in an area called Al-Huraqa, which is some, uh, uh, one of the sub-tribes. Minel uh, Juhayna, uh, from a certain area called Juhayna. And he says, فَصَبَّحْنَا الْقَوْمِ So uh, we uh, reached uh, those people in the morning and we attacked and defeated them. وَلَحِقْتُ أَنَا وَرَجُلٌ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ رَجُلًا مِنْهُمْ uh, uh, فلما, 
غشيناه قال لا إله إلا الله فكف عنه الأنصار فطعنته برمحي حتى قتلته So he says that I had, you know, we, 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 we went there, we overtook them, we were winning, and then me and a certain Ansari brother of mine, a certain brother Muslim from amongst the Ansar, we had reached this one man, and, you know, this is a battle, right? We're, we're, in, we're at war, and then the guy realizes that there's two against one, he's overtaken, he's going to lose, so he realizes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose this fight, so what does he do? Uh, so when we overtook him, that he says, La ilaha illallah. And because he said, La ilaha illallah, the Ansari man, he just stopped. But this young man, I think he was around the age of, I don't know, 16, 17, 18, somewhere around there. Wallah alam. So he's a young teenager, full of, you know, he's jacked up, you know, it's war, right? So you can imagine, this young guy, he's like, well, let's just go for it, right? Because he's lying, right? He's just saying it because of, he's just saying it uh, to save his skin, right? So, فَكَفَ عَنْهُ الْأَنْصَارِ this, this stopped the Ansari. The moment he said, لَا إِلَهَا اللَّهِ, it stopped him. It helped, but, فَطَعَنْتُهُ uh, But me, I, بِرُمْحِ But I stabbed him with my spear, حَتَّى قَتَلْتُهُ Until I killed him. فَلَمَّا قَدِمْنَا When we reach, when we reach back, بَلَغَ ذَلِكَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهِ وَسَلَمَ That when we came back to Medina, this news reached the Prophet صَلَّى اللَّهِ وَسَلَمَ فَقَالَ لِي So he said to me, يَا أُسَامَ أَقَتَلْتَهُ بَعْدَ مَا قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَى اللَّهِ He says, يَا أُسَامَ Did you kill him after he had said لَا إِلَهَ إِلَى اللَّهِ فَقُلْتُ So I said to him, يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ uh, ya Rasulullah, he was just protecting himself. He was just taking refuge. He was just, he was just doing it to, for show. He was just protecting himself by it. Uh, uh, he didn't do it sincerely. قال, so the Prophet responded, أَقَتَلْتَهُ بَعْدَ أَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَى اللَّهِ فَمَا زَالَ يُكَرِّرُهَا عَلَيَّ حَتَّى تَمَنَّيْتُ أَنِّي لَمْ أَكُنْ أَسْلَمْتُ قَبْلَ ذَلِكَ الْيَوْمِ Allahu Akbar. He says, ah, subhanAllah, that the Prophet kept repeating it. Did you kill him after he said, La ilaha Did you kill him after he said, Did you kill him after he said, La ilaha He kept repeating it, getting more upset with uh, Osama for, say, for doing this, to the point that uh, uh, Osama bin Zayd, uh, uh, he says, I wish I had embraced my Islam after that day. As if to say, because you know, Islam wipes away all your sins. I wish I was, you know, I was in, still in jahiliyyah, and then I could be excused that I did something foolish. And then I could read, like, I wish I could have embraced Islam new after that, so that, you know, it's like, no, you know, that was my past, I made a mistake, it's over with, and everything is wiped clean. I, subhanAllah, he's like, I wish I could have just gone back and been able to accept, embrace Islam on that day, just so I could clear it from my name, subhanAllah. So he was so uh, uh, ashamed and, and, and sad and broken that he had done this. And so, yes, the, the, the point here uh, is quite clear and straightforward, that uh, the Prophet ﷺ is telling him that, no, when somebody embraces Islam, it's not your business to try to say, oh, oh do I believe, do I not? It, look, we judge based on what is apparent. Allah Ta'ala mentioned this. This is probably one of the most famous ayat for every anti-Islam website and things like this. Surah number 9, ayah number 4. This is classic, right? فَإِذَا إِنْ سَلَخَ الْأَشْهُرُ الْحُرُمُ فَاقْتُلُوا الْمُشْرِكِينَ حَيْثُ وَجَدْتُمُهُمْ Right? And when the sacred months have passed, kill the polytheists where you find them and capture them and besiege them and sit and, sit and wait for them at every place of ambush. But, but if uh, they should repent, establish prayer and give zakah, then let them go on their way. Indeed, Allah is forgiving and merciful. So Allah Ta'ala is saying in this ayah that yes, these people are at war with you, so you be at war with them. You kill, once the sacred months are over, then Allah Ta'ala is giving them the, uh, the go-ahead and the, you could say, encouragement that you fight your enemy and you fight them fully. Don't give them any uh, 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 leeway that these people want to fight you, once the sacred months are over, then you fight full-blown.
and you, you kill them wherever you find them. What does the very next ayah say, which every single anti-Islam website doesn't mention? The very next ayah, uh, ayah number nine, uh, sorry, this is surah number nine, the last one was five, this is now six. Allah says what? وَإِنْ أَحَدٌ مِّنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ إِسْتَجَارَكَ فَأَجِرْهُ حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ أَبْلِغْهُ that, and if any one of the polytheists seek your protection, then grant him protection so that he may hear the word of Allah. Then, then take him safely. Go with him and drive him to a place of safety. Like basically go with him and make sure that he's okay. That is because they are people who do not know. So subhanAllah. They try to say that, look, they want to kill them wherever you find them. And oh my goodness, these people are so violent. First of all, we're talking about the context of people at war. Okay? These are people who are trying to kill you, first and foremost. So yes, it's saying when the sacred months are over, then you can fight them full blown. But it's also saying that if they seek your protection, and if they seek your help, then take them in, protect them, let them hear this deen, let them learn about Islam, inshallah they'll accept, and if not, then at least you can take them on their way to some place of safety so they have a good impression of you. So subhanAllah, how then can you say that this is a deen that is simply after bloodshed when that's just clearly not the case? Yes, so this hadith is about groups uh, uh, like those who collectively refuse to pay zakah or collectively, uh, uh, like that happened by the way during the Khilafah of Abu Bakr uh, radiallahu ta'ala anhu that he was the Khalifa and a certain portion of the people started to say like we don't want to pay zakah anymore, right? And so he said I'm going to fight them until they accept. Uh, and this applies to any group that doesn't apply the laws of the Sharia. We have to remember that Islam is not just a religion in the sense of my personal faith. It's the law of the land, okay? Let's say, give an example. Let's say in the United States, I think Texas has talked about this before. Let's say Texas says we want to, what's it called? Cessation or secede? I think the term is? Secede, right? So let's say Texas says we want to secede from the United States, which they've talked about, I think, in the past. I've heard people say that Texas has wondered, hey, maybe we can be our own country. Do you think if everybody in Texas just says, you know what, United States government, we're out, do you think they'll accept that? Do you think they'll just be like, oh, look at that. They don't believe anymore. That's not their, they don't, like, you used to believe you were part of the United States, and now they change their faith. It's just a matter of faith, guys. No, pay your taxes. No, you are part of this country. That's exactly how the United States was formed. British said, you're just one of our colonies. And they say, well, we don't want to be one of your party colonies. Okay, we'll fight you. Can't you say, it's just part of my beliefs. I used to believe that I was part of the British Empire. Now I don't believe that anymore. Freedom of religion, bro. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. You can't just say that, you, I believe, no, you can't, I, say, I gave the example before. You can't drive on the highway and they say, this is the law of the land. You, you were speeding, I'm going to give you a ticket. No, but I, I don't believe in those laws, sorry. I don't have a different from religion. My religion actually says, I'm part of a religion that says that actually God loves it when you go fast. It's like, it's like closer to you know, godliness. It's like really good. And yeah, really? Nobody cares, right? Uh, so the guy's going to give you the ticket. He's completely uninterested in your personal beliefs, right? And so the idea is that's how a government has to o operate, Right? Same thing, I mean, even the most basic thing, like why can't you kill people, right? Because life is sacred. And what was the, I mean, it's in the Constitution that, you know, rights under God, right? The Constitution has, mentions God many times. And that's how you